Welcome to another episode of the Fuel Your Fandom podcast. My name is Saint. We got Jim. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing great, Saint. How you doing today? I'm fantastic. Thanks. Well, hey, we're great. just we're just happy to be here and bring you all another episode of the podcast. We are rapidly approaching the end of the year, which means we are approaching the end of the season. We got a great big season finale that we're putting together all surrounding Bob's Burgers, of all things. Now, if you're going to be geeky about something, you can be geeky about something that not only you can see, but that you could potentially taste as well. So we've got a real big issue uh, or a real big episode coming up to, uh, focusing around Bob's Burgers and all the, mm-hmm. the wonderful, wonderful things about that show. But in the meantime, if you're looking for the podcast, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Feel Your Fandom. Or you can find us on our webpage, which is feelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com. And that'll show you where you can find all of the links to all of our different locations, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, I Google, iHeartRadio. Yeah, it's, we're, we're kind of It's become a pat so. thing to say wherever you get your podcast, but we're, we're, we're going worldwide with this stuff. So, you know. Absolutely. So without further ado, we've got an interview that I've been looking forward to for a great long time. Uh, if anyone who lives in the Pacific Northwest will recognize the voice as soon as it hits, but I am uh, pleased as hell to welcome to the Few Your Fandom podcast, uh, Miss Taryn Daly. Taryn, how you doing? Woohoo! I'm so good, you guys. It's a pleasure to be with you, and um, I'm so thankful that technology allows us to uh, connect in a year like 2020 where we're not allowed to be in the same room, so it's Nice to to hear your voices, see your faces over the Zoom that we're doing right now, and um, uh, thanks for the company today. Well, there's so many contexts in which the internet was a mistake, but this is actually, this is not one of them. This is one of the rare good things that we use it for, so we're just thrilled as hell to have you here. Well, thank you guys. It's a pleasure. And I, and I wanted to actually talk on that, actually. You mentioned uh, the fact that we have to conduct all this over Zoom and everything, and I've talked on the podcast previously about how Zoom has kind of changed the nature of what this podcast was about. Because initially when I started the podcast, it was just a way to sit in a room and have a conversation with friends and delve into the minds of the things that make them geeky, the things that make them uh, passionate and, and, and spark that excitement in their eyes. And, and obviously due to COVID, we've had to change the way things have worked, but that has opened up a whole lot of other opportunities, like you said, uh, being able to speak with you. And, and we've had conversations with uh, uh, comic writers out of LA, TV writers out of LA, other podcasters around the world. Uh, I had a wonderful conversation with BJ not that long ago. That was really cool, and 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 much the same fashion is is I wouldn't have been able to do that without fully embracing this uh, Zoom kind of mentality. But you, as a as a radio DJ, now you want to tell everybody a little bit about what it is you do on on, on KISW. Yes, so I am the night host going on, gosh, it'll be six years next year. And so my showtime is from 6 to 10 p.m. Monday through Friday. Uh, They also stick me on Saturdays now, which is pretty fun. So I can actually, you know, do a show when it's daylight out. Uh, And that's from two to six o'clock every Saturday. And um, on top of that, I write a blog called Taryn's Recreation Guide, which has gotten a little bit tricky in 2020 um, because my recreation (laughs) guide is typically telling you what to go and do. And now I'm basically telling you what you can do from home. Um, So, you know, for instance, I think the most recent blog I wrote was about the fact that um, the Space Needles fireworks show for New Year's Eve is going virtual, too. Um, Of course, if you're in the Seattle area, you can watch it on King 5, but 
you can't go gather around the base of the Space Needle anymore and watch the fireworks. So it's all going virtual. Everything's virtual. It's just such a 2020 thing these days, but it is the glue holding us all together is, is being virtual. Um, I'm even doing my show from home these days, which is totally wild. Um, so technology has, you know, continued to bless us during these trying times. Um, so yeah, this is, you got, you guys are seeing it. This is my big setup. I literally have my studio at the base of the stairs in the basement and there's a baby gate because I have a small child at home uh, that now can run and walk and be totally insane. So yeah, this is, this is the, the sexiness of working from home. And I even have like a little cribbage board here uh, with the rock logo that I kind of use to like inspire me because I don't get to uh, be at the station with the guys and stuff every day. So this is my new normal. <laughs> yeah, I have uh, uh, miniature arcades uh, that I keep on the desk behind me just because that helps remind me of what I do the podcast for. So I'll just show you that. Turn this around. Oh, yeah. Oh, nice. That's so awesome. My little arcade collection there. But uh, yeah, it, we, we do what we have to do to maintain this new normal. And and, and that's kind of what I wanted to talk to you about initially, too, is because I know that you've been having to do the work from home thing and and adapt and, and, and overcome. And we see a lot of industries that are going through that same kind of struggle right now. And in fact, I was talking to Jim a little bit earlier off mic about uh, Warner Brothers just announced today that they will be releasing all of the entire slate of 2021 movies uh, digitally, the same as AS theaters, if theaters are open. So they're putting all of their movies for next year available uh, for release on HBO Max. And these are not small movies. Wow. We're talking about they're dumping Dune. They're going to put Matrix 4. Um, the, the Suicide Squad. is coming out. Wonder Woman 1984. All their big 2021 slate of, of huge blockbuster theatrical releases are going to be simultaneously released in theaters and on HBO Max over the course of the next year. So that's, that's a big step for, uh, for the entertainment sphere. It fundamentally yeah, changes wild. the yeah. It fundamentally changes the way that uh, that we as a consumer culture are going to are ingest our like media, and and I know that there's been a huge pushback from the theater companies trying to say you can't do that, you can't do that. But uh, I think if 2020 has proven anything, is that yeah, you you can. <laughs> All yeah, it's definitely. I mean, even like watching. Um, you know, definitely movies. I mean, that's changed, you know, astronomically. I And I'm not, I didn't go and see a movie for like years. And then once that opportunity was taken away, I was like, no, I want to go to the theater. So right. um, it is what, I promise I'll be, I'll go to all the movies if you guys just open back up. Um, so that's been a little bit, you know, crazy in general, but also live music has taken such a, you know, massive hit. And it for has. a lot of these bands anymore, um, that's where they make their money is on these, these concert tickets and merch sales yeah. and all of that. So everyone's having to kind of reinvent how they do things. And, you know, I'm very thankful for getting these live stream concerts because also, you know, only once a year, maybe, or once every couple of years would your favorite band come around. And now we are able to connect with, you know, our band, our favorite bands, you know, during these wild times. And of course it does not even come close to replacing what yeah. a live show would be. Or like, you know, what a, what a movie in the theater is. I mean, unless you have a really bitchin' setup at your house, which I, I don't. I don't. Um, you know, so it, it doesn't, it, it's, it's filling the void in some way, but, you know, we're, we're all definitely missing the way that things used to be. And hopefully we'll be back to that sooner rather than later. Yeah, yeah. Kev's in a band now, and I was in a band all through my 20s and first part of my 30s. And, and I think if I really look back, most of the disposable income that I had throughout that entire period of my life, most of it went to live music. I've, you know... I figure bands I've played 
uh, shows I've played with my own bands, shows I've gone to see as, a, as an audience member, and shows I worked security at. I've probably been to a thousand shows, and I just it became something that, that you're right. There's nothing in the world like sitting in a room uh, with you know five thousand of your closest friends or going to like an outdoor amphitheater or something and just jumping up and down and, and watching a band that you absolutely love recreate the soundtrack of your life 10 feet in front of you. It's just an amazing feeling. Yeah. And if I could, I, I've often said in conversations with friends, if I could wave a magic wand and bring any one thing back during this whole nasty COVID lockdown bullshit business, it would be live music. That's the one, I mean, karaoke is great. Restaurants, great bars, great, but live music, there's nothing that compares to that. And I miss it dearly. Yeah, that's at the top of my list of things that I'm missing. Um, and and I've still like, you know, you talk about going to restaurants or bars or things like that. I'm a big fan of the to-go order anyway, because I like to be home. <laughs> yeah. um, so I was like, okay, cool. I was already doing that. And I have a, a, actually, when you're talking about, you know, fandom and what you're into, I collect growlers. So I have like 120 growlers wow. from all over the state of Washington and beyond. Nice. And um, I love I love taking an empty growler to like a couple different places on like a Friday and support some of my local breweries and cideries in the area, bring that home and then get drunk on the weekend. So well, you know, <laughs> that's Milwaukee boy, that's what I do now. All the beer accoutrements, <laughs> you know, beer culture, uh, yes. being from Milwaukee, beer culture is a huge thing. Like, you know, I was th um, this year, I tried camping out for a PS5 on Black Friday because I'm a giant nerd, did not wind up getting one. But it was only the second time I've ever camped out for anything on Black Friday. I'm not one of those consumer types. The first time was a couple of years ago. There's a brewery here in Milwaukee that um, does a Black Friday brew. And it's, it's, a one, it's one of the bigger microbreweries in Milwaukee um, called Lakefront Brewery. And they do a um, – this last couple of years they've done this. And the year that I went, they had a, like an 18.5 ABV oak barrel-aged like premium stout. And they brew oh it for gosh. one day and they sell it. And then when it's gone, it's gone. You can, you can get uh, tappers of it actually in their communal tap room. But I went and I bought three uh, two-pint bottles, like wine-sized bottles, and um, put them in my car trunk and then uh, forgot about them. I was going to give them for Christmas gifts, keep one for myself, and then give the other two to friends of mine who are also beer snobs. I, I already don't like where this story is going. No, I left them in my car <laughs> trunk, and uh, no. the damn things exploded during a cold snap we had in Wisconsin. <sighs> oh, I lost all three no. bottles, and there was like oh. 60 bucks worth of beer. It My was heart. irreplaceable because it was on sale for only one day. And the only, all the, the, the grand total of what I got to drink was the pint I had in the tap room after I waited for three hours oh. in line to get the beer. So that was a real <laughs> oh, heartbreaking no. moment for me. But the lesson, you know, it, it gets cold enough in, in, in this area to, to freeze even the hardiest oh, of high alcohol stouts. Crazy. That is tragic. I lost that is. Um, yeah. yeah. That's awful. There, I, in, in a similar in a similar situation several years ago, there was this little like um, just kind of like a gastro pub, I guess, in Everett um, that I used to go to. It's no longer there, but it was called Bale Fire. And they would occasionally get um, the folks that make uh, I, I call it Pliny the Elder and Pliny the Younger um, would would bring in like one keg and same thing. People would be lined yeah. up around the corner and like you could only bring one one growler or whatever it was and there were several times i tried to get my growler and the line was too long and i was too late uh, and that's you know to be so close and then to not even taste the nectar of the gods oh yeah is, you know that's not that's no that's no good i need to do better about uh, my time management and get there early for things like that yeah well, they'll, they'll sell no wine before it's time and they'll sell no beer uh, before it's time either apparently that's just how it goes around mm -hmm. uh, around that culture yeah, I've, I've kind of not been part of the Black Friday mob at all for a lot of years. And I typically when I do it, I'll do it online. If I shop anything, I'll, I'll like shop online or I'll do like Small Business Saturday because yeah. uh, one of the biggest things I'm into is retro stuff. And retro stuff is, I mean, shit has been a huge renaissance of that uh, online. 
online and, and, and you can find it all over the place, but the best place to get it is going to be your local mom and pop shop that are in town that have the original stuff that you grew up with. And, and so I've got a couple of stores yeah. around here that I support that way. And, and that's uh, awesome. I try to save it for that, but uh uh, so well, I'm actually really into to vintage clothing. Like when you talk about old school and things like that, I'm very into vintage clothing. And specifically, if I can find old stuff from the radio station that somebody's selling on eBay or, you know, at a, at a, you know, a, a vintage t-shirt shop or something like that, I will pay top dollars. So I have found some KISW relics from like the seventies and eighties and, so and I have to bring, I have to bring them home to me. So I'm, I'm a bit of a collector of the, of the history and the heritage of the radio station and um, back to the, you know, FM 100 days and things like that. So, and what is cool though, is that a lot of these shops now can put their inventory online um, and so I actually, I think one of them I purchased and it was all the way in New York city was where they had this shirt and they shipped it out. Um, the KISW so was, shirt. Yes. I was That's like, how did awesome. this get out here? But you know, we're going to be uh, the station celebrates 50 years next year. So people, you know, I'm sure there's KISW gear that's ended up all over the country and beyond. So I was very excited to bring it home and they were happy to send it back to Seattle too for oh, a hefty I think it was like $70 or something. I've never spent 70 bucks on a t-shirt in my life. <sighs> retro comes with a hefty price usually. And, and, it does. And it that's does. not just clothing or, or anything else, but anything worth having is worth spending the coin on. So uh, well, sure. now, you've been working with uh, KSW, like you said, for about s- almost six years now coming up. Uh, yes, the night show I've been doing for almost six, and then I've been there for almost eight altogether. It's crazy. That's fantastic. And and uh, what uh, what brought you to uh, radio broadcasting? Now, I know you studied, studied radio broadcasting and communications over in, uh, in Pullman. Uh, proud Coog. There you <laughs> <Proud> go. <Cougs. laughs> um, for anybody listening, I have my wooden cougar head that sits uh, next to me at my desk all the time. Yeah, I actually, so what's funny is um, I was always really into music as a kid. I, I've been a music obsessed since I was a small child. All and the other Right. So, um, and I give my parents full credit for that because they always had great taste in music and they had um, a turntable. And so I loved vinyl. And, you know, I remember my, my dad has this story about this time that I, I learned that I wouldn't get to see um, led, I probably wouldn't get to see Led Zeppelin play in my lifetime. And I like curled up in his lap and cried about it. And I was like seven or something, you know, so just things like that, where I, I just always kind of had it in my blood. But then I was also a very injury prone person. So I've had several knee injuries, some surgeries and all that. And the other thing I was very obsessed with was sports medicine and um, actually ended up uh, as one of the founding sports medicine club members of the Stanwood High School Sports Medicine Club. So that's very nerdy for you. And um, <laughs> so I, I actually didn't know when I started out if I wanted to do something in movement studies in kinesiology, maybe become a trainer or, you know, a, a, a PT assistant or something like that, or if I wanted to do something in in, in music and radio. And so I took like two science classes my freshman year thinking I would do this kinesiology thing. And then I was like, um, I'm out. Sorry. I don't like science. I forgot. <laughs> um, and I immediately switched my major to communications and then did an emphasis in broadcasting. Um, and always knew that, you know, it, it would be either sports radio or music radio. Cause those were the two things I really, really loved. Um, and, and music, you know, again, like it was just always in my heart and I just had to follow my heart. And here we are all these years later doing it at KISW. <laughs> and, and, uh, you, you do a very, very good job. I've been listening to your program since it's been on the air. 
you took it was you say almost five and a half years ago you took over for Jolene uh, on the nighttime DJ yes. host and and I, I've kind of always seen that as a a handing down of the Queen of Rock crown because Jolene was she was huge around here big time huge and and uh, do you know how long she had been uh, doing it prior to you coming on board or I know it was a long time. I- think maybe 11 years it might even have been longer than that but it was more than a decade and she was like a household name yeah. i mean you didn't nobody knows her last name because you didn't need to know her last name she was just jolene jolene she yeah. was she was she was a goddess i mean she still is a goddess but um yeah so it's it, i still pinch myself that i get to sit in the same chair as her and then before jolene it was kathy faulkner, kathy faulkner yeah and the late kate i mean so you know it, again i can't even believe that i get to like you know in some way align my career with those two women because they were the women that i looked up to um when i was growing up listening to kisw and when i was at wsu over in pullman um you know that's almost from from my place here almost six hours away um the second that i could get radio reception coming over snoqualmie pass I was back listening to KISW and most of the time I was leaving after class and I would catch the end of Jolene's show on like a Friday night or something like that. So even when I was all the way over in college, I would look forward to, to hearing her driving home for the weekend. It was, it's pretty cool. It's, I, I can't believe that this is what I get to do. It's pretty that was awesome. a whole new generation of radio listeners that are looking up to you just as much as you did her. I hope that there's more girls out there that want to get into it. Cause you know, it is, there's a lot of dudes in, in rock radio. I mean, it was a, it's been a male dominated format for a very long time. Um, And, you know, I've always kind of considered myself one of the guys, so I fit right in. Um, But I don't want any uh, female to ever feel like intimidated because there, there is a place for us. There's a place for us in rock radio. There's a place for us in, in any industry, in everything, Um, but in everything, but definitely like, don't be shy about hitting me up. If you're a, a lady that loves, music and and radio and this is what you want to do because you can do it if i could do it anybody could do it and see that's a fantastic message that uh, that that's one that we've uh, we've tried to spread over the podcast uh, over the we've been doing this about a uh, so i want to say i've been doing this a little over a year year almost a year and a half and uh one of the messages that we've we talk about constantly that we hit on constantly as resolves around pop culture and, and sci-fi and nerd things and, and everything like that is is the culture of representation Mm-hmm. and how very very important it is to have your voice heard and, and each individual uh, culture represented or, or gender represented or sexual identity represented because that being able to see someone like yourself in the pop culture and media that we intake is it's it's, it's super super formative and, it really and is i mean i'm an old white dude and i'm tired of old white dudes so right <laughs> seriously <laughs> honest to god well and it is neat because just in the past couple months, even I've seen um, other women in radio, uh, their, their names elevated. There's there's this gal in, in Chicago, I think it's Chicago, and it's the Angie Taylor Morning Show on a rock station. There's not a lot of women that are their name is featured as the morning show. So yeah, they're I mean, always relegated really cool. to like co-host or, or yeah, it's always so and so and so and so, and it's her show. Like she's the girl, and it's and I just think that's so badass, and that inspires me. That almost like refuels my fire that like hey we really can do anything in radio we can do anything in any industry um girl power is is awesome and that's pretty great who was the comedian i was watching that said that for the longest time in the 90s like his whole experience with listening to or hearing women on the radio especially in the morning shows was there always two dudes who had stupid names like wheezy and the bean and then there was like carla like the girl who was just there to laugh (laughs) and stuff and like yes you guys you know 
Weezy and the Bean could say whatever they wanted, and then Carla was just here to like be a foil, just to react. So it's do really a little cool. giggle. You guys are crazy. Oh, come on, <laughs> like just to be the voice of reason. I'm really glad to see, and the, the the power of women in broadcast media and especially radio to kind of really come into their own and not be relegated to that that sidekick spot. But it's, it's it's been a fantastic yeah. thing. Absolutely. So we are going to take a very short break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the many facets and interests of Ms. Taryn Daly. Stick around. Welcome back, everybody. We are tearing it up with Taryn Daly from KISW. And for those of y'all who haven't been listening, shame on you, but uh, we've been talking about beer. Now, I know beer factors into something that I love a lot. Jim, I know you are a, a aficionado as well. Die hard. And uh, Taryn, we, uh, I, I was reading, I told you I did a lot of research on you to, to prepare for the interview and everything. And, and not that I needed it following you on social media and, 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 and being friends with you on Facebook for a number of years. I, I, I already knew this about you, but. Pick up on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a thread. There's a thread. And uh, so you talk about, uh, you, you're really a fan of the pale ales, the India pale ales. Yeah. IPAs. And I have a theory. Uh, my theory is that I destroyed my taste buds by drinking so many IPAs. So now it's the only beer that I can enjoy. Um, <laughs> because it's the, really, strongest. Think yeah. it's the strongest. It's the strongest. That being said, if I'm going to go float the river on like a, you know, a Saturday in the summertime, I'm going to have to like tone it down a little bit and drink some light beer. But if I have a choice <laughs> in the matter, it's going to be a hoppy ass IPA, probably from the state of Washington, because I think they make them pretty good here. Yeah, I tell I tell everybody that we got spoiled when I moved up here. There was a couple things, and I've been up here since uh, uh, I was about eighteen years old. And uh, the, the Pacific Northwest is my adopted home. To say that's been a lot of years since mm -hmm. is just going to date myself, and I don't need to do that. People know me, know me. But uh, uh, the Pacific Northwest is my home, and, and the couple of good things that we do up here is a we have kick-ass rock music comes from our state. Mm -hmm. Two. We have awesome coffee. And so you can't hand me none of that Folgers shit. It ain't going to work. <laughs> and three, our beer is second to none. We have, I mean, okay, Wisconsin, I hear you. I see you. I feel you. I ya. mean, we're going to, you know, them, them's, drink fighting Wisconsin words, Lee. them's fighting words, bro. We're going to have to, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I do love some Washington beers, but we, we're definitely spoiled for choice in the dairy state. I mean, Milwaukee is brewed down. That's, that's its, uh, its, its official nickname. So. You know, there's there's a whole lot of uh, fantastic microbrews and uh, even even the, the big stuff, the, the Miller Coors stuff that comes out of here is, is not bad. But the microbrew uh, scene in this town is is kind of it's off the charts. So, you know, there's there's some great stuff coming out of here. And I, I, I've tried most of it. And, and the vast majority of it is uh, is pretty top quality. See, the cool thing about that is when I come out to visit you, I can visit my mom, too, because my mom lives out near you. Yeah. Uh, I can come out and visit. We can get drunk over there on some locals. You come over here. We'll all get drunk on some locals over here. Either way, we're getting drunk, which is great. Yeah. I'm a huge well, fan. I'm in. It. I want to I I be there. I'm in, well, you I'm know in what? for this 100%. Oh, absolutely, beer, My favorite beer in the world is a beer from a, a brewery called New Glarus Brewery. It's about uh, half an hour outside of Madison. And the, the couple that runs it, it's owned by uh, a lady named Deb Carey. She's the, the, um, it's the largest female-owned brewery in the country. Um, but yeah. her husband is a brewmaster. He studies under some Bavarian brewmasters, and, and uh, he makes some incredible beers. Some year-round, some that are seasonal. But my favorite beer that he makes is called the Wisconsin Belgian Red. 
And it's only sold in Wisconsin because Dan is so hyper uh, plugged into getting quality ingredients. He only sources stuff locally and he will not sell anything outside the state. And this, this, this beer, this brewery is kind of legendary because you, he won't ship. He won't. Uh, he, if you want to come here and get some, he will sell it to you. And you can I want to say I've heard of New Glarus. <clears throat> yeah, they've won every award the beer world can throw at, be um, at beer. But my favorite beer in the world is New Glarus Belton Red. It comes in a two pint bottle. And it is um, a lambic in all but name because Dan's one of those people that's like, well, if it's not from the Champagne region of France, it's just sparkling wine. So he is a purist. And <laughs> lambics only come from Belgium. So it's, a, it's pretty much a lambic, but it starts as a sour brown ale. And then it's bottom fermented with a pound of Wisconsin Door County cherries in every bottle. So it's a really Ooh. tight, wow. small bubbles, really sweet, like almost a hybrid wine beer, but better than either one. And I, I, I dream about this beer. Like when I'm living out of that state, I'm to work. It is, it's the best thing I've ever put in my mouth. In, in, by, it's not even close. No. And when I'm living outside of town or outside of the state and I can't get this stuff, I dream about it. If there was a man standing in between me and the last bottle of this beer on earth, I would kill him with my bare hands to get a hold of the beer. I would not <laughs> have the to bad box. It is that good. So whenever wow. you know, we have our little beer summit, I'm going to have to bring some of that because it's, it's the best beer I've ever had and I've tried thousands. You have certainly sparked my curiosity because although I am an IPA fanatic, um, I am always down to try something new. Um, there's a brewery down the way called Crucible in Everett, and I actually tried their – they have a strawberry blonde, which is yeah. totally not something that I would typically try, but I loved it. And for like – I think I was drinking it on like a Sunday during, you know, watching football or whatever, and it was the perfect thing to be drinking at like, you know, yeah. lunchtime that's not going to like weigh me down and make me tired like sometimes an IPA would um, in the middle of the day. But yeah, so I'm always down to try something new. So well, sign me up for that. You're not supposed to mail booze, but maybe I'll send some to you, Tara, the station, because <laughs> uh, – this stuff, the, the, the late beer expert, Michael Jackson, not the moonwalker, but the beer expert, was pressed over his entire life, please na na name a top 10 beer list. And he would always, you know, waffle on the question. He would say, well, how do you even pick? I mean, there's some beer that Trappist monks come down from the mountaintop once a year to sell. Then there's like some niche uh, beers that are only brewed like in gastropubs in Japan that I've had that blew my mind. And he refused to answer the question over his entire life. On his deathbed, he named his top 10 favorite beers of all time, and that beer was on his top 10 list. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Nice. Fantastic stuff. That's yeah. a big be, deal. Be yeah. careful sending that to the radio station. The men's room might take it and run with it. <laughs> Taryn might sure, never I'm going sure to put Taryn Daly in large letters on the outside of the box because it's federal offense to take mail that doesn't belong to you. So I'll make sure. Yeah, it Taryn Daly, not the men's room. Um, yeah, that, that would be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely. Yeah. And Ted, so I was actually talking to Ted uh, last night about when I was recently the beer fairy. Well, recently nine months ago before things shut down, but it was because things were about to shut down that I loaded up a bunch of crowlers and took them down to the guys and said like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. I love you. Bye. And I have barely seen them since then. So it's, it's crazy. It's sad. It's going to be a wonderful homecoming once everything opens back up and you're able to go back into the studio uh, and you know, Barrett will be in his teenagers at their, our teenage years by that point. So it'll be great. <laughs> like, remember when you've gotten a hug from someone that like lasted too long and it made you feel a little weird? Like, little okay, when off, are you gonna let yeah. go? I feel like everyone's gonna be like, oh, I'm not letting go. So I think that the long, awkward hug is gonna be like the new hug. I'm I gonna feel that weird on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> Jim, you make everything weird on purpose. Uh, yeah, that's true, I suppose. You so got me there. we were talking about top 10 lists of beers now. Uh, I know you focus on the, the IPAs around town. Uh, what would you say like your top five uh, current IPAs are, if you had to pick? If you had to, someone was twisting your arm, per se. 
Yeah, well, you are twisting my arm, and that's yeah. fine. I'm totally into it. Um, I will say, so there is um, a brewery. I think they're out of Portland, and it's the it, it's Ecliptic Brewing, and they have a, I want to say it's called the Starburst IPA. Okay. That one has become a new favorite of mine, um, giving some love to the, to the state down south. Um, I really love both of Georgetown's IPAs that I drink frequently, uh, Lucille, Lucille or Bodie's Zaffa. And I can, I can swap either one anytime and be, the Bodie's Zaffa is really good. And I, and Ted and I, Ted from the men's room, we just call it a, a Bodie. Oh, I'll have a Bodie. So that's our little, you know, cause we think we're so cool. Um, so I do love me a Bodie. Um, and <laughs> let's see what else. So crucible, they actually have one that I love called the Woots IPA. It's W O O T Z. Um, that one is in my beer fridge right now because I'm a fanatic of that. Um, gosh, Skookum brewery is like not even that far from, from here. And they have these flagship beers. Um, they maybe have like four flagship beers and then everything else rotates. So every time I go, they have a new, they have a new crop of IPAs and I nice. literally have to try like each one before I decide which one I'm going to have, but they, they're one of their flagship IPAs, which is always a classic is the jackass IPA. And if you have too many, you will be a jackass. If you have like, <laughs> like I would say like three, I'm good Four, I'm going to be a jackass. Um, so that's definitely one I love. And then, Gosh, I guess if I had to put one more on there, Colshin Brewery, Brewery out of Bellingham has one called the Bastard Cat IPA, and cat is spelled with a K, and they just um, they just rebranded their cans, too, and I love the new cans, uh, but the Bastard Cat IPA is great. And they have um, an awesome outdoor, see, they've always had great outdoor seating, but especially now since outdoor is like what what we can do in Washington, mm-hmm. um, that's a great place to have a, a frosty beer outside while you're um, trying to stay warm under a heater, you know? Yeah. While you're frosty yourself. Yeah. Uh, see, and I, and, I, and I couch that question in the fact that I'm looking into the things you're into and, and, and learning about new beers and everything. But really, I'm just writing my own list based off of this list of things I need to go to the try. And it's For fantastic. Sure. I love to explore uh, with the beers. And uh, like my, one of my favorite things to do is uh, me and my wife have done this before is we'll go into like a total wine or something like that. One of the big stores around here and we'll just browse. And we'll just look yeah. and she's into the ciders. So we'll look into all the different ciders and try and find something she's never tried before, never heard of before, some kind of weird uh, pomegranate fruit variation thing that, that just kind of blows her mind. And then uh, try that. And I, I like to find uh, the individual and seasonal beer aisles and try to find stuff mm-hmm. that I've never heard of and never seen or, or things like that. Mm-hmm. And one of the beers that I actually tried, I, mean, I remember trying was uh, uh, Will Wheaton had a beer uh for a while i forget which brewery it was with i want to say i want to say it was rogue but i don't think it was was it the fark beer that he did with drew curtis from fark.com no it was called boot stout yeah that was the one yeah was, was that that okay yeah but and, and i don't know where that brewery's at i don't know anything about it all i know is that I, it's west wheat or will wheaton's beer so i i wanted to support you know a fellow nerd and and it was yeah. strong as hell it was strong as hell so that's awesome. And I, like you mentioned ciders, I used to be not like I was anti-cider, but I'm like, there, there can't be a cider that I will like because I like IPAs and it seems like it's going to be too sweet. I'm <laughs> you not can't be like in it. both camps. Yeah. <laughs> I can't, but then I, I, I found that I like ones that are like super tart. So anything that's like a, yeah. like a rhubarb, like if it's a rhubarb cider or something like that, sign me up. If it can make me like pucker up a little bit, then, then I'm good. Right. So now I'm a cider believer. I'm not, I'm not just an IPA 
freak. I'm also, um, you know, someone who will experiment with other things. You are more of a man than I will ever be. I cannot drink IPAs. I found out a couple years ago that I'm a super taster. So, you know, (laughs) and anybody that can drink IPAs, I'm kind of envious of because I just can't. They're just too strong for me. I'm a six foot five, 320 pound dude, and I'm too (laughs) much of a wimp to drink IPAs. So I'll do credit to you for the, the backbone I do not have. Well, and they have gotten, I mean, like it is, it has become a very oversaturated style where you just like, sometimes you go to a bar now and there's like five IPAs on tap. And that makes me happy as an IPA drinker, but I don't necessarily think that I'm like the majority or something like that. So that would be frustrating if you're not an IPA drinker and you go somewhere and you're like, what's with all the IPAs, bro? Can I have a lager? You know? So I do, I, I, I hear you and I, I know what's going on in the brew community (laughs) for someone like me. It's great. But for most of the other people that I know that maybe aren't super into IPAs, like my dad, for instance, my dad is a Coors Light man. That is what he has been drinking forever. But he always is like down to try something new. And he always asks to try my IPA. And every time he'll go like this, he'll go, no. And I'm like, well, don't, don't, don't try it. You know, you're not going to like it. See, I, so do that it with my, funny, I do that though. with my wife too, is, is, is she wants to try new things too. So uh, on occasion, if I find a new beer, I'll offer her a taste and and, and, and to her credit, uh, she used to have the most wonderful uh, bitter beer face that uh, I've ever seen. And, and it was just like super exaggerated. And, 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 but now uh, she's matured and, and she's able to hang with a lot of the beers that I try nowadays. And, and I, it's really fantastic. And, and so uh, I, I kind of almost have to go out of my way to find something that's uh, that's uh, overly hoppy or offensive. I think the last one that I had her try that she through the face up was uh, there's a beer up called hoppy bitch i don't know if you've had a hoppy bitch oh yeah it's the, it's got like a red doesn't have red on the logo or something mm-hmm. like that if it's the mm-hmm. one i'm thinking of yes yeah yeah and, and i love that beer and, and it's just it's a it's a it's a strong and she's a strong and, and and yeah that got the reaction i was looking for but uh yes um but we, we kind of are blessed with choice around this area as i was driving back like i said i've been working over on eastern washington for the last uh, almost four months or four weeks and, and, uh, driving past Ellensburg, they've got the iron horse brewery. And so I, every time I want to stop there, because I love me some iron horse, like the, yeah, uh, and the the, Irish death. I love the Irish death. Yes. Mocha death is also good. If you're into a darker, more, uh, coffee flavor, but they have this beer that I just discovered recently it was called Aloha death. And so it's kind of like the Irish death mixed with a little bit of coconut flair and, and it's just, Ooh. it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. So I could definitely get down on that. I, I Irish death. The first time I had it, I was like, what category do you put this beer in? It was like, I felt like so stout? many things were happening. Is it a porter? Oh. What is this? Yeah. Does it have some red vibes? Like what is happening in my mouth? It was so good. And I, I, I used to stop at iron horse all the time when I was driving from Pullman back to the West side, that was like yeah. one of my like Oh, we have to stop in Ellensburg to pee and get a bunch of beer. Yeah. Incidentally, what's happening in my mouth is the title of Jim's new autobiography. So <laughs> you weren't supposed to say that, man. I'm not ready to announce it yet. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, we we are, like I said, spoiled for choice up here with uh, with beer and, and and we got a particularly hearty wine uh, selection that comes out of the Pacific Northwest, which is really awesome too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, I know another thing that you're super into, and we're going to touch on it here and then probably uh, keep going with it in the next break, but uh, I wanted to touch on your sports fandom because what a lot of people don't understand and what I've tried to explain to a lot of people 
over the years is I'm not a particular, a huge sports fan. I, I do root for the, the Seattle based teams and, and I know Jim's not much of a sports ball lover, but really. uh, uh, the fact of the matter is, is a lot of like your fantasy football and, and things like that and fantasy baseball and everything uh, shares a real strong common thread and a common bond to uh, Dungeons and Dragons, role-playing games, things of that nature. And I've always kind of been really interested in uh, one of these days sitting down and actually learning how to do the the fantasy sports just so I can see the correlations and, and find the ties. But uh, I know, uh, uh, Taryn, I know you guys are super huge into football. I know I see a lot of uh, interplay between you and Ted a lot because oh, yeah. you know, Ted's one of your close friends and, and me and Ted are friends and everything too. So I see a lot of the back and forth between y'all with the uh, the Seahawks and the Sounders and everything like that. And, and we have a prog- uh, progressively growing and more um, uh, rich and fulfilled fan base coming up here now in Seattle. We don't have our NBA team still. Uh, that's something that's always going to be backburned, I think, for a while. But we do oh, have yeah. the uh, Seattle Kraken coming, our, our NHL team finally. Look, there you go. <laughs> I'm wearing my shirt today. It's Kraken <laughs> Thursday. What's cracking? Um, yeah, it's yeah, it has best. got to be. Yeah. I mean, for anybody for anybody that has lived through what Seattle sports has endured over the years, getting another professional sports team not only is like totally necessary, but it feels a little bit like healing, you know, because we have some <laughs> wounds from losing the Sonics um, that are still very much open, um, and also just having a team like the Mariners is just really. Awful. I mean, we are literally the butt of every joke in Major League Baseball now. Um, And to be honest, like I kind of fell out of love with the Mariners, you know, because it just became a thing where I was like, I don't even I I have something else I could do with the three hours of my day um, (laughs) than watch than watch another like disappointing Mariners game. That being said, you know, I, I will totally admit to being a bandwagoner if and when they are good again, but I just kind of stopped following them. So I'm very excited to have hockey coming to our great city. I think it's going to be um, such a breath of fresh air. And, you know, we like blew all of the merch sales out of the water in oh, comparison yeah. to all of the other uh, franchises everywhere. that were launched recently. It was, it was insane. Um, and we watched, I actually, you know, when, when the Las Vegas um, got the, when Las Vegas got the golden Knights, we kind of watched that explode. And I actually went to Vegas and seeing just the the energy from that sports team was so cool in a city where there's already so much energy. Like people yeah. were freaking pumped about. I was about living the in Vegas uh, when the Knights launched and they, they started their, um, their their first season run towards the playoffs, which was just crazy. I mean, every, nobody in town could believe it. And yeah, you're right in the town, even that had that much going on. And Vegas always has something going on. It's a 24 hour yes. stuff happening all the time that the hockey fever was just through the roof and it was just kind of a nice thing to see. The, in the yeah. desert, hockey, ice hockey yeah. in the desert. Well, I'm you know, still as, floored as soon as Phoenix by that. Got a team. It was kind of inevitable that Vegas would have one eventually. Towns where they, they don't. Yeah, it was have super cool. Ice. Yeah. <laughs> and and you know, so to to see that explosion of 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 thrills and just people jumping on board and being like, "Yep, we got a team. Here we go." And then to see it happen in Seattle, even bigger. Like I, I'm not saying I wasn't expecting it, but the 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 golden Knights coming down was so big that I didn't, I thought, wow, that's really, you know, that's going to be impressive. hard to top and then, that. We, yeah. and then we were like, boom, like Seattle's like way like head and shoulders more excited. Yeah. It was kind of cool to, uh, and I remember listening uh, specifically, I was doing morning commute at that point. And so I was listening to a lot of BJ and, and Migs and they were talking about uh, 
back in the day when they were doing the initial solicits for people trying to buy box seats and trying to buy season tickets and everything. And they're like talking, okay, the season tickets are going to go on sale here. So everybody focus. We want everybody to buy them. And then they come back the next day with this, the projections. It's just annihilated any potential projection. And so, oh, and so yeah. it became less and less like, oh, well, they're going to see this information and maybe they'll give us a team. And it's, it became more like they're going to see this information and there's a team coming. There's no, you can't yeah. stop this. You took the genie out of the bottle. So yeah, uh, Seattle is ready. Seattle is ready. And we have been hungry for another professional sports team. And here we go. I mean, it's, this is going to be a very exciting time. Um, you know, when we, when we hit the ice, when the puck hits the ice um, for me also, like just as somebody that loves hockey, um, you know, we've gone up to Canucks games before because it's close. Um, right. We've, uh, I went to a St. Louis Blues game um, one time, which that was actually my very first NHL experience, which was so cool. Um, and then like, I go to the Silvertips games right down here in Everett and um, just watching those kids. And then, cause they, they literally are kids. And then to some <laughs> of them, you know, some of them watching their professional careers grow from, from here is pretty exciting. So yeah, hockey is dope. I'm pumped about it. Um, and I'm, I'm thrilled about a new team to root for since the Mariners have let me down. <laughs> Sorry, Eric. My my buddy Eric Horton's a huge uh, uh, Mariners fan, and I know he's going to listen oh, to this. Eric, I respect, I love and respect your commitment, and I'm a bad fan. I'm sorry, I admit it. Like I will not <laughs> pretend to be a good fan. And when they start winning, you can call me out as as a piece of shit. That's totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, the only, and I think it's great because I, I, I've never been around. I mean, I was around for the launch of the Colorado Rockies back when I was in. Uh, uh, Colorado growing up, but I wasn't, I was like 13. I wasn't paying attention to any of that right at that point, but, uh, it's kind of cool to be, cause I, I do, I do like hockey. I don't know shit about it, but I'm willing to learn. And I think it's going to be kind of cool to see that, uh, from the ground up to be like, if I become a yeah. fan, if I decide to become a fan of the Kraken, it'll be interesting to see that from a ground level up. Like I was there when, you know what I mean? And, and you don't get that kind of opportunity very often in fandom. I've seen so totally and there just hasn't been a ton of exposure to hockey so I think there's going to be a lot of people in your exact same shoes that like this is their first real hockey experience and it's, it is a learning curve um so that's that's fantastic there's going to be a whole host of new hockey fans because of this in the Pacific Northwest right and we had that same kind of action and that same kind of fandom explosion when we had the Sounders come to town uh when, totally. we, when we got our first uh, our, our MLS soccer team and uh, it's just, it's crazy. And, and I guess I should have known from the fervor that I saw around uh, the Sounders when they came in, what the kind of the hockey situation would be like when it started around here too, because it very closely emulates that. I mean, it, it definitely still kind of blew that out of the water too, but, but I think it's just people around here are wanting something that they can connect with uh, without having the supersonics and uh, the Seahawks are kind of a, a, hit or miss a lot of times. I mean, I'm, I'm still a fan, but, uh, and then of course we, we've talked about the Mariners once again, sorry, Eric, but, uh, the, uh, <laughs> and, it's, then, it's, and even the yeah. storm, the storm just won another WNBA title. They so did. Like, you know, we have like every, like we're going to have everything represented here, which is very, very cool. The storm. And then how many, uh, championships has the, uh, the, have the Sounders been to, they've been to quite a few. Yeah. I mean, and I can't pretend to follow the Sounders very closely. I mostly followed the Sounders to like, like help Ted. Like I'm like, I'm watching the, I'm watching the game. And he's like, it's a match, you idiot. I'm like, oh, I'm watching the match. Um, 
but I did play soccer growing up. So like, I very much understand soccer. I just didn't ever get like super into professional soccer, but Ted's one of those people that wakes up at like, you know, two in the morning or six in the morning to watch Arsenal or whatever. Um, and yeah, I, so I sometimes just it. like to know what he's excited about. So just to be like, yay, Ted, I know about the things you're watching. That's oh, cool. you're <laughs> such a good friend, Taryn. I'm a very supportive friend. <laughs> well, we're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk. You can't talk to a rock goddess without talking about rock. So when Woo. we come back, we're going to talk music with Taryn Daly. Stick around. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Feel Your Fandom podcast with Taryn Daly. We cannot have the queen of Seattle rock on our podcast without talking rock music. So uh, we, we talked about during one of the breaks that me and Jim just happened to be wearing the same shirt, uh, essentially. Jim lives in Wisconsin. I live in uh, uh, Olympia, Washington, which is about as far across the country as you can get from one another. Um, we didn't plan this at all. We did not arrange it ahead of time, especially because why, why would we work on a dress code for what's essentially an audio medium? I mean, that'd be a waste of time. <laughs> I mean, there's nerdy, there's nerdy and today. stupid. Yeah, we both ended up wearing uh, the same basic T-shirt, which is our yeah. our Queen shirts. And, uh, and we're both uh, huge fans of uh, the band Queen. And, and I know that about Jim and he knows that about me, which is really yep. great. And so uh, we, we're representing our rock uh, fandom today. And uh, well, since we've got Taryn on, Taryn, I wanted to kind of get into, uh, I, I kind of know a little bit, like I said, I did my research, but I kind of want to get into uh, uh, the things that you look for in your rock music. Uh, what, are, what are your, like, who are your uh, rock go-tos, your mainstays? Well, I am first and foremost a Rush fanatic. They are my oh, favorite band in the entire world. Which, good. if you are a nerd and you like math, then you should mm. like Rush because it's literally like math rock. I mean, it kind of is like math rock and, you know, if you like just progressive music in general. Sure. Oh my gosh. I mean, and that was honestly, 2020 has sucked big time but like that's how 2020 started was neil peart neil dying peart died, and that yeah, was like yeah. i was like oh my god like that is not a great way to start this year and then obviously here we are it's been a catastrophic downhill fall ever Ugh. since yeah so that was you know that was a real blow and actually i was funny enough we were talking about beer earlier i was driving to skookum brewery and my phone started like and obviously i was 10 and 2 driving so i didn't look at my phone but the second i pulled up I had gotten texts from people like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I was like, what's going on? And then yeah. I did a little Google search and figured it out. So yeah, that was really crappy um, for 2020, but, but that band has been my life for so long. And then Brad, my, my other half, he's also, that's his favorite band. So, you know, two rush nerds in love is kind of funny um, because that's not very common. You don't find a lot of like male, female, you know, <laughs> couples that are both like such big rush fans you don't find a lot of female rush fans in general um that's kind of a you know a, a weird a weird thing to stumble upon in your life we're kind of like a unicorn um so yeah rush is my all-time favorite band um from there I, I go to primus also sticking with the um you know progressive rock primus you know sucks. primus sucks um, and they're actually going to be doing a live stream concert from Les Claypool's uh, winery coming up, which is super oh, wow. dope. Awesome. Um, so I'm very excited about that. And then um, in in position number three is Bad Religion because I'm a huge punk rocker as well. And uh, um, I definitely grew up on punk and 
um, that's super woven into like the tapestry of my uh, musical makeup. So I, I love progressive rock. I love punk rock. Um, and then I also love me some psychedelic rock. You know, I can get into, um, you know, like I, I really love the Grateful Dead and I love what Dead and Company has done on um, these past several years, um, you know, bringing John Mayer in, which by the way, I was like, when we were going to the first Dead and Company show, I was like, okay, whatever, John Mayer. And then I was like, I was like weeping, like third song in like, oh my God, he's so good. And I knew that he was a very like accomplished and well-respected blues guitar player, but I was very concerned about like the integrity of the music. And he was amazing and, and complimented what the Grateful Dead um, was and, and, and still is, you know, um, even though, you know, obviously losing J Jerry Garcia um, years back was like such a blow for that, that, that group, those, those deadheads. And there's a lot of people that would not go see dead and company. Um, I feel, I feel the same, just... I feel the same way about uh, Adam Lambert and queen. And because um, my first exposure to Adam Lambert was on American Idol. And I'm, yep. I'm sad of to course. say I watched enough of that to understand where he was coming from. And of course, here's this, this, this kid who's thinking he's, got the sack to step into Freddie's shoes and just kind of, and so I, I immediately wrote him off for a lot of years. I'm just like, no, I can't listen to it. I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to have anything to do with it. You cannot be Freddie Mercury. And I softened on my approach after a while. And I started listening to like, I, I started watching some of the stuff on YouTube and, and really kind of giving it a critical ear. And the kid's got range. He's got, he's got yeah. Freddie's swagger, not, not necessarily he's to Freddie's showman. degree. But he's, he's yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. He's a showman and he kind of embodies kind of like a new wave kind of thing. And I know Jim's got something to say about this. Well, you? he's not trying to be Freddie, which I appreciate about him. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I never I, I never got a chance to see Freddie. I mean, the last time that Queen toured, their last show was at Nebworth in 1986 and I was 11. So <laughs> I never got a chance to see Freddie. But I have seen Brian May play two different shows, uh, solo shows. Um, I have seen Queen with Paul Rogers. I saw him with Adam Lambert once. And I've seen the Queen Extravaganza, the tribute band that Roger wow. and Brian put together. Um, and well, I mean, you know, we can, we can edit this out. I'm gonna take a break just for, you know, for the audio's sake, but this was one of my favorite moments in my entire life was I got oh to meet Brian gosh. May when he was on tour for his second solo album. <laughs> and he got, he signed my Japanese half-speed mastered vinyl copy of Night at the Opera wow. in 1998. So that was a really nice um, moment. And Night at the Opera just had its uh, 45th anniversary, I think, uh, yep. just very recently. Yep. Um, I'm 45, and me and that album popped out in the same year. So, I'm, you know, I bet oh my, my mom, God. that's why I'm a Queen fan. My mom used to listen to the uh, the album with the uh, the headphones on her belly while I was still cooking. So I was born a Queen fan. Maybe that's but, why um, I'm a Star Wars fan, because I was born in 77 <laughs> when Star Wars came out. My, uh, you know, I, the guy that they have singing for the well, we're, he was singing for Queen Extravaganza while that was still a going concern. His name was Mark Martell, M-A-R-C-M-A-R-T-E-L. And this guy, he auditioned on YouTube for the band. And the first time I ever saw him, because I'm in a whole bunch of Queen groups on Facebook, first thing I ever saw was somebody circulated this video and said, you got to check this guy out. And it was him auditioning with somebody to love just in his attic. And for about the first 30 seconds of the song, I thought, he's cheating. He's lip syncing to Freddie's Oh, shit, that's actually him singing. If you haven't heard this guy, he actually sounds so much like a young Freddie Mercury that they tapped him for the movie to fill in some vocals where they didn't have vocals when Freddie was singing. Like the scene where Rami Malek is playing piano on his birthday and singing, you know, um, oh, yeah. I'm Mr. Mercury. That was actually Mark Martell singing. He did a no lot of vocals way. for the movie. 
And I'll have to cool. send you a link. If you go to YouTube and just search Mark Martell, somebody to love, you will find a video of him auditioning for the Queen Extravaganza. And he sounds so much like Freddie Mercury that they've done spectrograph analysis of his voice. And it's wow. He's so it made the hair stand up at the back of my neck. He sounds so much like Freddie. It's ridiculous. So did you guys ever see that app? Um, I think it was an app that kind of came out and it was like, can you sing, sing like Freddie or something yes. like that? And you picked your song <laughs> and then you sang into it. So first of all, I love, we talked about karaoke for, for like a third of a second. Oh. Um, my boyfriend and I both, we love karaoke. Oh, yeah. And that's one yep. of the things that I definitely miss and can't wait to do. I would never, ever in a million years have the balls to do a queen song. But that being oh, said, no. I was like, oh, we have to see who's better at this you know, thing. So we each picked a song and I totally crushed Brad. And Brad is actually like, oh, I, he, I will tell you flat out, he's a way better singer than I am. But when it comes to Freddie, I, I, I won. See, and, and, and I've always, I've been a karaoke fan for a lot of years. Before I Me did ba live bands, I did karaoke, which is kind of what led to my live bands and, 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 and my professional music experience, if you want to call it that. Um, but, uh, in my karaoke experience, there's only I've always told people it's like oh, I'm not going to do Freddie Mercury. I'm not going to do Freddie Mercury because I don't want to screw with a legend, you know. But but I do Fat Bottom Girls. I do Fat Bottom. Oh, Girls. that's a great one. And it's and it's easy for yeah. my lower vocal range because I certainly can't fall totally. snow like that man. But and then I think I've done. Uh, uh, I think I did the Bowie part on Under Pressure at one point. Oh. Um, my my old band used to play Fat Bottom Girls live, and we actually did a cover CD. Uh, as a bonus uh, CD to one of our the, the uh, full-length original uh, CDs we released that we just recorded some of our more popular covers, and we did a cover of uh, Under Pressure. And I think you and I talked about that when we did our cover songs episode. You did. I even put a little, I even put a little uh, clip of that yeah. in there, too. And so. our, our, um, our lead guitarist was also a huge Rush fan and actually had a voice very similar to Getty Lee's. And he would sing Freddie's high part on the bridge, and he could actually take one breath and hit the high note and then go go up to like the second one like that you know when it's really high oh, yeah. when he pushes in that, that last <laughs> and he, could, he could hit that note live <laughs> and people would put down their drinks and look at him and go holy shit but he was he was you were gonna say that the drinks shattered <laughs> <laughs> yeah he was pretty great. close i'm sure it was close that's so awesome we, we, we couldn't step to queen but we still were, were huge because we did a lot of four-part harmony all of us sang so we did um a lot of eagles and a lot of queen and a lot of journey and a lot of classic rock stuff that was kind of commensurate with that setup but that was the song that people would remark on as being, you know, one that they really appreciated hearing because it was just pretty difficult to pull off. And, and I, I feel like, you know, I don't want to break myself, uh, break my arm, pat myself on the back, but we, I, I think we did it proud. I hope we you did, did all right. I heard it. You yeah. did all right. <laughs> That's fabulous. And one thing I will say too, like when we're talking about, you know, losing members of a band and like, can that person be replaced? Like, I don't yeah. think anybody's ever trying to replace someone, but that is something that's like a very, it can be a little bit of a sensitive subject for some people. Yeah, um, I know right. that there's a lot of, there are a lot of like Allison Chains purists. I was just going like, to mention not that. Allison yeah. Chains without Lane. And I'm like, you know, if the, if the band, if they're making the decision to, to carry on in someone's honor, like we should just be respectful of that. And like, I don't, not that you Absolutely. don't get an opinion on that, but like, if this is the choice of the band and like they lost like a brother you know yeah. and if this is maybe in some way therapeutic or healing for them then shh, you don't get yeah. to like comment mm -hmm. on this and sure you don't have to listen to it but don't ruin it for the band don't ruin it for the fans um yeah. you know same goes with you know like like even with uh neil peart passing away mm -hmm. um getty and alex are not ready to get back on stage together and that's fine if they decide that they never want to get back on stage i will support that but if there was yeah. somebody that they wanted to play a one-off gig with I would support that too because that's their choice. And sometimes Absolutely. it works. Sometimes it works. Sometimes you get a guy like Arnaud Pineda who can just grab Steve Perry's microphone and raise the roof on oh stadium singing Journey songs. That guy is tremendous. So 
I, I always sure. take the attitude that, you know, it's their band. You might be a fan, but it's their band. And I'm always happy that any, any forum we can get our favorite bands in, we're lucky to still have them around. They might Absolutely. have played some here and there, but, you know, Journey with Anel Pineda is better than no Journey at all. Queen with Adam Lambert is better than no Queen at all. It's just we're lucky to still have these bands in any forum they decide to continue in. You know, if you love that band, you're not obligated to support them, but it's, you know, you're lucky to still have them around if, if they're somebody who's on your list. And people get Definitely. real precious about the things that they're into. And, and it happens all over pop culture and, and sci-fi and geekery and all this shit. People oh, George Lucas really... used to stop fucking with the Star Wars. Yeah, yeah you, you know, know. Yeah, it's... they're his movies, and you know, but whatever. Yeah, people get real precious about the characters and, 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 and the actors and yeah. and everything else. And, and it's just like that, too. If 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 uh, Alice in Chains comes together and puts together a new album with, with this new guy, who's amazing, by the way, yeah. Uh, yeah, William yeah. Duvall. He's he's, he's got an incredible voice. But and if they too. if they decide to come back together and put their lives back together with someone new to replace, you're right. Give them a chance. Uh, you want to be a purist? Fine. Go be a purist in your corner and and mm -hmm. and listen to your old CDs, and no one's going to bother you. And stay the hell off the internet. Don't be a troll. Yeah. But yeah, if we get like uh, I mean, because we've had a lot of that recently. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be a troll. I forgot what I was yeah. saying. But, uh, <laughs> it comes but, from uh, somewhere else, though, but whatever. We had a lot of uh, of that recently, too, like Stone Temple Pilots, and uh, and and we lost uh, Chris Cornell with Soundgarden, and we lost uh, uh, Chester with Linkin Park, and it's just, it's, it's so devastating uh, to have this kind of thing that just connects with you, the music that connects with you and to lose a part of that. Yeah. I get, I get that you want to feel precious about it. I get that you want to hold that close, but at the same time, if the guys in Lincoln park come forward and go, okay, we're going to move forward. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to build a bridge and we're going to create new music. You owe it to them. I think you owe it to Chester to get into that. I think you well, owe yeah. it to, to all of them. And I think that's what those guys would want. Like those, yeah. those, the members of, of these bands that we're talking about no longer being here. I think that's what they would want too. They wouldn't want, they wouldn't be like, Hey guys, like I'm not around anymore. Stop making music. They would be like, Hey, go <laughs> forth and keep being awesome. Right. And I think I'm a, a huge of example of that. Yeah. With Foo Fighters, yeah. I was just going to say with, uh, with Dave Grohl picking up after Nirvana ended up. So yeah, I, I, um, I'm a huge fan. On the subject of um, uh, Scott Weiland, I recently found a band, and I, I, was, I subscribed to a couple of different articles and uh, different websites and everything. There's a new band called Suspect 208. Yes, it's okay. Scott Weiland's kid and Slash's yep. kid. And I heard about that. Who's and the Robert other Trujillo's one? kid from uh, Robert Trujillo's from, from kid. Metallica. And Scott Weiland's kid sings lead. And I, I heard this. I don't remember the name of the song. I was just trying to look it up on my phone, but I can't pull it up. But there's a song that they just released, and it's it's um it's on YouTube. If you search "Suspect Tour," you'll find it. Yeah, it sounds the song. I don't remember what it's called, but it's. There's a song by Stone Temple Pilots called Down. It's a da -da 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 -da, pleased to meet you, that one. And it sounds very reminiscent of that. But as soon as Scott Weiland's kid starts kicking in and singing, it's, it's kind of like that same effect I had when Mark Martell sang Freddie's parts. The hair stands up at the back of your neck. He sounds just Whoa, like Whoa, that's dad. his kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, even, you know, if, if you played that track for me in a vacuum and I didn't know where it came from, I would think it was an outtake from like 
one of the Stone Temple Pilots like mid to later albums. It's got that vibe to it. And he sounds like his dad. And it, it just it, it, it really scratches that itch if you're looking for that particular sound. Yeah. The apple That's does cool. not fall far from the trees. Not at all. In that <laughs> band. All right. That's so I got a question. Um, everybody I've known that's ever worked in radio has like crazy backstage stories of festivals and concerts and like <laughs> in, in, in studio artist performances. Um, are there any like crazy stories that you could share that wouldn't be tales out of school or tipping your hand in any confidences that would be like just like a crazy rock and roll story of like some some event that you went to where there was crazy crap going on backstage and 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 uh, maybe it was a little bit on the uh, on the salacious side. I'm curious because everybody oh, I know really has Oh my gosh, stories. crazy! That's such crazy a good question. Stories. It's so funny because it like in in the in the days that we're living in now, it's very different than it was like 20 or 30 or 40 sure. years ago. Um, but I will say that one of the things that I love the most is just meeting people, meeting people backstage that surprise you as being like way cooler than you, than you ever could have thought. Um, or they, they just treat you like you're their sister or something like that. And yeah. that happened to me um, with the band Hailstorm, not I once love but twice. Lizzie so it Hale. wasn't. Oh, great. I love so Lizzie. The the cool thing about that was like it wasn't a fluke. It wasn't like they were just putting on this one time that they were like, oh, they're a nice band. Like they are the kindest, coolest, most down to earth. Like no ego at all. That's and it's, so that amazing was honestly, to hear. One of the most like refreshing things I've ever experienced in radio. And I have not run into many like jerks or assholes or anything like that. Honestly, like most people are pretty cool. Um, but they were like above and beyond anything that I could have ever expected out of a famous rock band. They were just the nicest. Um, they they like had joints on the table. Like they were very, <laughs> very, very chill um, and very cool. And no, I did not smoke their joints. I, I left their joints alone, but, um, but they just, they couldn't have been cooler. And it really blew my mind. And it that will stick with me forever as like, you know what? That band is badass. See, and I, that's really heartening to hear because uh, Hailstorm is a huge band for me as well. I her pipes, I swear to God, oh she is God. she is definitely the full rock star package, Lizzie Hale, and uh, and I mean they're just a fantastic, incredible band. But to hear that they don't have that ego, that they don't put on airs and and don't get all uh, backstage, you know, you know everything has. Yeah, to Yeah, they're be like, such come on, such. let me show you this. Hang out, sit down. Can I get you something to drink? Like they were just like like they were taking care of me. It was insane. That's incredible. Uh, You've you've had the opportunity to as with your time with uh, uh, KISW see a lot of acts and, and uh, from the stage from the wings behind behind stage be a part of the concert experience. Uh, who would you say if you had to uh, if you had to put uh, uh, I don't want to say ranking on it because there, everyone has their own different things. But what would you say would be your most memorable? Uh, concert experience uh, through the radio station i mean honestly the one that sticks out m from the most recent years was foo fighters uh when they played safeco field a couple years ago um that was wait not that's was it safe yes it was safeco i'm like where were they at the football stadium where were they yeah safeco I field. Say it was safeco, um, yeah. yeah that was unbelievable i mean i felt like they they sounded like they got shot out of a cannon of energy and it just never <laughs> slowed down for and they played for like three more than three hours or something like that it was crazy um and 
you know, and I've been listening to Foo Fighters since I was, you know, really young and um, they were just fantastic. Dave Grohl's so cool. And this was when like Save Save the Show Box was like first, like a very big deal. Right, and Taylor right. Hawkins was wearing a, a Save the Show Box shirt, which was super cool. Um, but that honestly was amazing. And that place was packed and everybody was singing every word. And I was in heaven. It doesn't, it doesn't surprise me at all that Dave Grohl would be uh, featured in something like uh, a very formative memory with something like that, because he is just such a consummate professional, a consummate gentleman, a consummate nice guy. Uh, and one of the things that's helped get me through 2020, the last couple of months has been, I don't know if you've seen this, Terry, and he's been doing this drum off with this little with British Nandy. girl, Nandy Bushnell yep. from, uh, yeah. from the UK. And their back and forth is fucking everything. It's so great. And he's and so Dave respectful. Is just, he's so he is. And to to do that kind of um to show kids that like music is cool and 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 playing an instrument is cool and that's to, been a huge thing for his it, entire career. Yes. Um and then on the other <clears> hand, <throat> he's like friends with Paul Paul McCartney. You know, he's got like a beetle on speed dial, and then he's like taking time to, you know, help you know, foster growth in um in in young kids that are wanting to get into music. So I just think that he's like a he's a god. Like he will end up on the Mount Rushmore of rock gods. You never hear anything bad about, you know, he's always got something supportive to say. He's always great in interviews. And th that little girl, I, I watched those videos and I, I thought to myself, God, I, I wish I was that good when I was her age. And then I thought, shit, I'm not that good You're now. not that good so, now. <laughs> She's amazing. She is she, amazing. She really is. And, and my nine-year-old likes to watch. We, we discovered the videos on uh, on YouTube a little while back. And uh, uh, so my nine-year-old made me subscribe to, to Nandy's channel. And, and so we always just kind of waiting for that next that next video, she loves it. She's the joy on her face while she plays. That is so, it's cool. so infectious. It's oh amazing. yeah, absolutely. And then we talk about representation and in, in in rock and media and all this thing. And this shows that kids can wail too. I mean, yeah, I got the opportunity to play uh, a few shows a while back with uh, there's a, a local band around here named Sin Circus, and uh, Sin Circus has a lot of. Uh, I want to say they're connected to a lot of different uh, Pacific Northwest rock. And uh, I met them through, uh, oh, it's going to kill me that I don't remember his name. Uh, oh, the guy from Metal Church, and I just spaced his name. It kills me. But uh, uh, sorry about that. Wherever you're at, I apologize. But we ended, up, <laughs> we ended up playing a couple of gigs, and one stood out to me is uh, we played a gig with them out in Enumclaw. Uh, where we were all, all of us, no matter what level band we were on, we were all opening for a freak show act, which was super oh cool. Oh my gosh. And uh, so all of this, the whole, the whole music thing just led up to the culmination of this dude pounding nails through his nose and uh, swallowing a sword and breathing fire and all that shit, which was our, one of the coolest gigs I've ever played. So that but, is really uh, cool. It's really cool to see these, like, they're, I think they were like 13 and 14 and 15 at the time, like really young kids just fully embracing this thing that they love. And, 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 and just to be able to watch that from the sideline. I mean, I got into music really kind of late. I, I mean, in my thirties, uh, when our, yeah, right around my late my late twenties and early thirties when I started uh, my musicianship outside of karaoke nice. and and so it's really nice to see these kids jump into it as early as they're doing it and knowing that it's going to be this formative 
wonderful thing over the course of their life. Hopefully. I mean, you totally. hope, but it's a but lifelong to, appreciation. <laughs> right. And to see that kind of love and that kind of passion and that kind of desire that early on, the same as with Nandi Bushell, you get to see, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just like I tell everybody with the podcast, I, the reason I start the podcast is because I want to have these conversations where I can see the twinkle in your eye when you're talking about the shit that you love. And you can see that same expression in her face as she's interacting mm-hmm. with Dave fucking Grohl. It's Oops, I mean, so I've never amazing. interacted with Dave Grohl. I've been so jealous. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I think really that's kind of just being able to see that kind of passion, that kind of spark and that kind of desire that early on is, is and that so only grows as you, as you get older and you, you come into your own talent and you, you kind of find your own way. So I'm, I'm going to it's going to be interesting to watch her develop and and uh, turn into the artist that she's destined to become. Oh, watch well, some of her videos. She has three big fans right here. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> watch some of her videos. Go on her YouTube yeah, channel. Oh, yeah. She uh, she jams with uh, Lenny Kravitz and she freaking Tom She Morello did a Rage Against and... the Machine. Yeah, yeah, she's all about it. She's I amazing. Love that girl. I wish I had a third of her musical talent. Mm-hmm. As it is, I can only scream obscenities into a microphone. So <laughs> I'll take what I can get. But uh, so... Um, now, see, it's kind of radio hackish to kind of ask somebody what their least favorite experience are, their least favorite bands to deal with is. So I won't do that. Let's not ask. I, I, I don't want to do that because, yeah, I mean, everyone has their good days and their bad days and, and everything like that. But uh, what uh, if you could pick something uh, coming up in the future once COVID finally releases its icy claws of death from all of us and <laughs> we're able to kind of open the door and blink in the sunlight and and walk back out into the great big world as a whole uh what do you think uh what what's going to be your go-to like okay let's say you hand bear it off to uh, a babysitter and you and brad get a chance to just go out and do be do something what do you think is your your, your kind of uh your kind of ideal Uh, post-COVID shenanigans? Well, one of the things that I was most looking forward to in 2020 was a a music festival that I go to every year called Summer Meltdown Festival. And I actually missed it in 2019 because I was pregnant. And I was like, there's no way in hell I'm going out there at all to do that, to be like the pregnant lady sleeping in a tent (laughs) and it's 90 degrees (laughs) out, whatever. So no. So I missed it two years in a row. So that is, that's where I crave to be more than anything is back with my meltdown family at summer meltdown festival um and so hopefully i mean fingers crossed we get to do it in 2021 nice that's nice that's a really good choice jim what about you post-covid what do you think well karaoke is a big one i mean obviously you know in a a world that's infested with horrible microbes you don't want to grab a public microphone that somebody else's uh, several somebody's have touched and then jam the windscreen of an sm58 an inch from your face that's bad. i always brought my own microphone does that make me weird i, I still have my own too but i don't uh, you know most places they get a little touchy about that they want they don't want you to mess with the equipment but here's where i'm gonna like probably reveal my guilty pleasures um i have seen better than ezra 81 times um Holy since God. 1995 and when taryn was talking about hailstorm and how great they were I have known those guys for a long, long time, and they're super sweet. They're like the band that I always tell people. They're the nicest guys in the world. First time I ever saw them at the Barrymore Theater in Madison, um, Wisconsin, in 1995. Uh, the, the show was great. They, they rocked out for like two hours, and then we came out, and they were waiting in the lobby to take pictures and kiss hands and shake babies and stuff. So um, ever since then, the, the reason they've been able to continue 
is because they've cultivated a relationship with, I mean, a lot of their contemporaries fell by the wayside when the labels dropped them. These guys were like, yeah, we got a fan base. We'll go ahead and keep on going. Like they can pack out the house of blues in Chicago on a two weekend evenings in a row with no radio support for their single and like no recent record because they've, they've cultivated that relationship with their fans over, you know, the last 30 years. Um, and this is the first year since 1995. I haven't seen them at least two or three times. Um, wow. So they've got a big, they actually had to cancel the tour. They were going to be going on tour with collective soul and tonic and they had to cancel oh, nice. that tour. And I had tickets for at least two of those shows in Chicago. And I think in Indianapolis, and they had to pull the entire tour. So I'm looking forward oh. to going and, and like adding to my show. And that's not even like 81 shows is not a lot among the Ezraelites, which is the ridiculous appellation we call ourselves. <laughs> um, there's one guy I know who's in New York and he stopped counting at, at 250 shows like three or four years ago. Jeez. Um, that's, that's dedicated. People, we, we, we see scores of their shows. So I, I'm looking back, uh, looking forward to heading back out and catching better than Ezra because once I hit that hundred club, baby, it's all gravy from there. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's Great incredible. bunch of guys. They always put on a hell of a show. That's incredible. Well, uh, Taryn, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. I really do appreciate you coming on and uh, chatting with us here. Thank you, guys. You've been amazing, and it's great to get to know you a little more. And, um, I, yeah, I, I had a blast today. Thank you for having me. I got to say, once this whole thing dies over, we got to get some karaoke down. And beer. Karaoke and beer. And beer. Yes. yes. The two right go on. Hand so in down, hand. you guys. The two they go do. hand in hand. Uh, <laughs> and often one goes better with the other, so. That's a thousand percent accurate in my case. <laughs> Liquid courage, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Well, Taryn, I want to thank you for coming on to the Feel Your Fandom podcast. I want to thank all of y'all for listening to one more time. Uh, me and Jim spin the yarns and talk about the things that we're passionate about. Uh, as I said, if you want to find us, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Feel Your Fandom, or you can go to our uh, uh, feelyourfandom.buzzsprout.com page. It'll tell you where we're, we're located all over the wide world of the interwebs. But uh, Keep an ear out. Uh, we've got our season finale, our Bob's Burgers Spectacular coming up here mm -hmm. pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And uh, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for listening. And as I try to remind everybody every time, and I know you're probably getting sick of hearing it, but I don't give a mm -hmm. shit. Everything is fandom. And fandom is everything. Take care, everybody. Oh,